There's one time I came to you and I said, this is, this is who I am, this is what I love. Why won't you love me for who I am? Why won't you accept me and, and love me? And I'll never forget what you said. You said, son, I will always love you, but I cannot condone something that is going to kill you. I love you enough to tell you that this is wrong and this is not what God has for you. Welcome to the Real Life Overtime Podcast, the place where the members of the Real Life Ministries sermon team go deeper into the weekend sermon. Watch them as they unpack, unfold, and unravel the weekend sermon like never before. So fasten your seatbelts, hit play, and join us for Real Life Overtime, where every episode is an adventure and this sermon doesn't end on Sunday. Hello, Real Life Ministries. We're here for our Overtime Podcast again, and uh, I'm here with the guys who spoke at the other campuses. Remember, we're one church in four locations, and we have a sermon team together. We prepare the messages together, uh, and then we sit afterwards oftentimes and just talk about uh, some of the questions we got from folks and and some of the things maybe we should have more time to push into, but again, we don't want to preach for three hours. And uh, so we also get to talk about other resources that we believe in, and so um, glad to have you. You know, I'm here today with uh, uh, Christian Putman, who preached at the Coeur d'Alene campus. Uh, Bill Krause preached here at the Post Falls campus, and Bill is our marriage and family uh, biblical education director here, been a friend for years. His expertise is in marriage and family, amongst other things. And then I'm here with Jim Blazin, who we've been doing this together 25 years. He's at the North Campus. And uh, we started a series called Impressed. And we're really looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. And uh, we're talking about what does it look like to have the home sphere. We talk about the spheres that are outlined in the book of Ephesians, abiding in Christ, the church, the home, uh, the work life, the spiritual realm, all of that is laid out in a scope and sequence in the book of Ephesians. And um, and as we start to look at the home sphere, we recognize that oftentimes people are converted, but they're not discipled. Or they're discipled in one sphere, like the church sphere, but um, they're not really discipled in the home sphere, or they're not discipled in the work sphere or in the spiritual realm sphere. And they might be educated, somebody might have lectured them, or they might have read something, but in living that out in front of other people and with other people so you get to see what it looks like, that doesn't happen a lot, which is why we do uh, life groups and we talk about discipleship and relationship. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, Bill. Um, we've watched over the years, and you have been doing this way, way longer than I have, and uh, one of the things that we've often you know, struggled with is so many of the kids that were brought up in church leave the church after they graduate, most never to return. And, and so it's somewhere between 70 and 80% in some studies. And, and so really being a church that makes disciples, but helping homes make disciples in this combination, partnership, church and home together, is super important uh, to us. What are some of your thoughts about you know, the reason why this might be well, happening. when you talk about the reasons for it, I think there's a lot of different reasons and different authors or organizations choose to latch on to one and kind of overemphasize that maybe, or over, just to emphasize it, you know. But uh, one of the reasons we know for sure 
Tom Bissett wrote a book about this, actually, uh, Why Christian Kids Leave the Faith. And one of the reasons is when, when they don't see congruency with the confession and the conduct at home. So when when that, because what it does, it, it, it it's not so much like shame on you, it's like it gives a mixed message, and a mixed message is a watered-down message, and so therefore it's not something people necessarily want to commit their lives to, something that's that's not life-changing, you know. So, and and we all suffer with our shortcomings at home, you know, so nobody's perfect at that, but when, when there's a blatant difference, like when you go to church together and smile, and then you come home and you have the preacher uh, for lunch, not over to the house, you're actually skewering him over the dinner table and criticizing mm-hmm. the church. Uh, kids aren't stupid. They they wake up and go, well, why would I why would I commit my life to that? As soon as I can get out of this, I'm out of it. So that you know that's one reason. It can be overly estimated. Um, another one is you know parents don't know how to pick up the mantle at home. Maybe they weren't discipled as well, so they're struggling and they're really relying on the church, but they're not picking up their responsibility and opportunity. And so, you know, they need to do that. That's what that's what I like about real life. And we we talked about this, you know, from the beginning, real life's been committed about discipleship. But as this church grew, everybody realized through study of scripture and as the families matured that discipleship is the church community and the home community. And so I feel like our ministries are working really hard to partner with families to give them those tools, mm-hmm. help them out. But here's my theory. This is my big one. Okay. Uh, and I don't hear this one much. Uh, if you think of the church, if you treat the church, if your uh, posture toward the church is primarily organizational, it's something we belong to. It's something we go to. Like a club. Like, like a club, kind of. And I, I know you tell, they go, well, I don't think it's a club. It's a church. You know, It's the body of Christ. Yeah, I know. But that's way different than it actually is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love the church because it's always lovely. I love the church mm-hmm. because I love Jesus, and this is his bride. I, I have friends who I don't really enjoy their spouses. None of you. You all have great spouses. But I still love those friends dearly, and I love their brides dearly because I love those friends. And when that translates to a kid, even when the church disappoints, they have a commitment, a love for the church that's far deeper than a program or a club, like you're saying, or whatever. And and then it's like when things get rough, things get rough sometimes. Yeah. There are potholes and yeah. and things in the church, but I st- it's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's really it, good. It's the bride of Christ. So, Jim, what you know, you've been doing this a long time as well, way longer than me too. Um, I'm the second youngest one here. Uh, so uh, what what are some of the things that you think about when you think about Well, but part of this was a discussion that Bill and I had last week. There, There is no plan B. There plan A plan is B. God's church. And, you know, I reflect back on my own story. I, I shared with you guys before being raised in the Episcopal church until I got through confirmation and not knowing anything about the Lord, really. I learned a few things, but... Um, we stopped as a family going to church. And so I navigated the real critical time, growth time in my life pretty much on my own, just hands-off, intuitive, figure it out. So you went through adolescence really without much church support? I didn't have any church support. And I made a lot of poor decisions as a result of that. And so when I did give my life to Christ and humbled myself to have some men disciple me, it was like, a crazy experience. Like all of a sudden the veil was torn and I could see that God actually had a plan, intentional plan for my life. Mm -hmm. And I, back to the question you had that you responded to Bill, 
you know, I, there are a number of first generation Christians that we have in our church. I know that for a fact. And I know that people are trying to figure out what does this actually look like? And, you know, to disconnect the body of Christ from the church or from the family sphere um, is a no win. It's, it, there's just a potpourri of things that you can tap into in our culture, but none of them are speaking the, the red thread that God has for our lives as we come together. And so, you know, for my wife, Christy, and I, our family, um, she was raised in a Christian home, and she, I, I listened to her because she had a lot of wisdom that I just didn't even understand. Didn't mean I didn't lead, but I listened well to her. And so our kids had the opportunity to hear uh, God's plan mm -hmm. at a very early age, and I'm very grateful for that. And my heart goes out to those that are in this transition period where they've come into the church and they're trying to figure out how to do life and it's messy and it's blended and it's divorces and it's all these nuances that we have to navigate. And we're not perfect as a church, mm -hmm. but we want to walk together and figure this out. So the outcome mm -hmm. is different than what many of us are seeing mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. You know, Christian, you grew up in the church. I always tell people, you know, um, there's, there was never a day I got up and said, I think I want to jack this up today, <laughs> but I sure jack stuff up a lot. Mm. Um, I don't know how I'd have made it without the church family, you know, without being discipled in every sphere. And then just because I had the right information, living out the right information was really painful sometimes. Mm. You know, it, it, discipleship is not about just getting the right information. It's right. It's having the right model to show you what that actually looks like in practice, and then helping you walk it through when other people make choices that that um, aren't the right choices and impact your life. How or or you didn't do it right, or you made a mistake, mm -hmm. right, or whatever it is. Life isn't easy, and to have people in your life not only model it for you but support you, call you out, love you, pick you up get you through these tough transitions. I don't know how I would have made it without uh, that. It, in, you know, you were that kid that grew up in a Christian home, certainly had parents that made mistakes, yeah. made your own choices as I did with my parents. And, you know, then you were a youth minister for many years, and now you work as sort of the adult ministries folks. When you're thinking about kids, because, I mean, I, I was with kids 25 years ago, you're the most recent one who's been working with kids. What are you seeing when it comes to kids leaving the church? Um, you know, what are you what are you seeing in that? Yeah, it's really good. I love this conversation just because uh, we get to really look at giving our kids Jesus. And one of the things I see a lot is somewhat of a misunderstanding of who God is. The world mm -hmm. constantly is trying to paint who God is in so many different ways and what they watch and what mm -hmm. they have on social media and all these things that seem harmless but can get in. And there's just this misview of who God is, that God is either a God of, uh, you know, complete anger all the time or God is a God of, you know, whatever it is. There's this just misunderstanding and also a misunderstanding that kids have. And I remember this in my story. I would grew up in the church. I was surrounded by such godly people, and you as someone pouring into me, it wasn't perfect, uh, but uh, I somehow had the enemy get in and had him twist who God was. And for me, that really led me away from God. I didn't understand that God loved me, even though I had heard that, but I just saw my failures. All these different things where the, the devil loves 
to get in there through all these different ways, through culture, through, you know, also the lens of looking at Christians, thinking that, well, Christians are kind of jacked up, so how how does that work? But failing to see that, yeah, that's why we come to Jesus. We don't judge God off of the people, and we're still jacked up and helping our kids understand that although there is the body, it's not perfect, but we're called to be family and all those things that I know we're going to talk about. But those are some of the things that I see, and I love getting to help kids have that light bulb go off to go, man, we have a God who loves us, who's commanded us because it's for our good, who calls us to things for our good, and you know that and so much more. There's so much facets to this, but I love that that's the discussion today. When you think about when you think about why kids leave, we always say this a lot. You know, God didn't ask us to go to church. He asked us to be the church. Yeah. And like what you said, Bill, why am I going to be the church? Well, out of reverence for Christ, because of what He's already done mm-hmm. for me. Now I do what He asked me to do because I love Him, mm-hmm. and I I want to see people through His eyes rather than mine or the world's or even their own. And so this, this concept of it's not a club you go to, it's not a school you sit in classroom, it's a, it, yeah, there's education, yeah, information is passed, but it is a relationship. That All the fruit of the Spirit is relational, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. It, the Holy Spirit's work in your life helps you love well, and those relationships are like ropes that hold you fast in the storm. And I, I think about when kids visit church every once in a while, their parents visit every once in a while, they don't really have deep relationships uh, because they haven't slowed down enough to make those, they don't have time for them. They've got sports and school and and work and you know hobbies, and so they never really build a family at church oftentimes. And, uh, and so... When they graduate, they they don't really have relational ropes that hold them fast. They didn't really ever learn how to do anything. They learned about things, but didn't learn how to do things. Most of the people in the church, because they, they don't get discipled, are spiritually immature. We call them infants or children. And children are typically mine, me. Uh, I want my music. I want my sermons. I want my seat. I, nobody noticed me. Me, 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 me. When 90% of people are me, 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 they aren't growing to become servants and forgivers and grace givers and people who fight the right fights. And, and they're, they're mostly mature. They just attend. The church, you, you have these expectations that these people are the church, and when they don't look like the church, like you said, you blame God for that instead of... Um, people, you don't give grace because you got hurt, and you're like, man, what do I want to? I don't want anything to do with that. And so, um, this whole community of believers who are working together, doing life together, you know, I was thinking about this. Who's somebody in the church uh, that really came in and poured into you, put hands and feet to Jesus that made a difference in your life, where that? then translated into your spiritual life. You mentioned some guys mm-hmm. that discipled you. What did that look like? Well, the picture that comes to mind, first of all, is like when you go to get a driver's license. Uh, you read the book, you study the laws, right? And then you go take your test. But you don't really have the wisdom to know how to drive. 
you don't know the nuances of judgment that you're required to make unless someone shows you, right? And you can hurt a lot of people. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I was just thinking about, you know, having <clears throat> some knowledge and understanding and yet not having the wisdom to apply that understanding unless I had men in my life that would debrief things. Like you and I just sat in your office 30 minutes ago and I processed something with you personally. It's having the opportunity to go, hey, this is the pain point of my life. This is the pressure I'm feeling. This is the decision that I need to make. You know, this is what I believe God says. Will you speak into my life? Like us having the ability. I had men that I gave access to speak into my life. You've had a voice into my life for years. Bill, you've had a voice in my life for years. You know, we we have to be available and open. You have to build that bridge. It doesn't just exist out yeah, of nowhere. Yeah, and, and, and here's the deal. Not, you know, we don't... I remember you saying some really hard things to me in the past that hurt. And I had to go away and process them and go, okay, what is my own button and trigger and what's truth here? And then go, and what's Jim's, you know, bet on things? But God consistently speaks through other people when we, first of all, use wisdom to go to the right people, um, not just to hear what we want to hear, but go to the right people because we know that God will use them. And are we willing to allow someone to do that in our lives. I think about parents, young parents in their 30s. They're unwilling. The one, I, I shared this yesterday. The one area that people that will get a fight more times than not <laughs> is trying to critique someone else's parenting. <laughs> and all of us that lead life groups and have been through life groups, we've seen kids that are like train wrecks within a home. <laughs> and you try to speak into it to try to bring some balance off limits. Parents, are you willing to let people speak into your life? Because yeah, we've lovingly. seen we've seen it's cute at two, it's not cute at thirteen or no. seventeen. It's not hard to play that one forward, right? Yeah. For all of us. So, Bill, when you think about who's poured into you over the years, that, that where the church well, and home, I, I would go. I'd even go bigger because everything you're describing is the church is a family. It's mm -hmm. God's family. Uh, so, you know, my parents were gone pretty much when my kids were coming of age, elementary, mm -hmm. middle school, and uh, Jill's dad was gone. Jill's mom was limited, you know, but uh, Chuck and Minute Wigden, in a very practical way, Chuck and Minute Wigden uh, looked at us, you know, had, a, had an affinity since we were in ministry, and they purposely adopted our kids as grandparents. And it doesn't mean they came to all the Christmas, and it doesn't mean that, because they had their own family, but... They would take us out to pizza after church once in a while, and they would they would specifically have conversations with the kids. They weren't there to they didn't need to hear they didn't hear me flap my jaw anymore, you know. They cared about my wife, they cared about my kids, and they fulfilled that role of grandparents. Hmm. And that's part of what was happening in the early church and should continue to happen today. Is hmm. we fill in the blanks and voids also for families that are hurting and missing. And again, That's it's good. it's tough because, you know, if you're a single parent, well, not, you know, if a dad's already got a family, he doesn't have a bunch of time, you got to work through it. That's why life groups, I think, are so important because people can kind of share the load, fill in those blanks. But Chuck and Minute Wigden just really uh, specifically, intentionally filled that position. They said they were going to do it and they did it, you know, until the day, I mean, they're with Yeah, because the he, he's retired. He already raised his kids. Yeah. And he's got his grandkids. And yet yeah. he saw... This is the community of believers. They're our kids. Yeah. They're all of our kids. Yeah, that's good. 
not just my kids, your kids. Yeah. And you actually embraced that. You yeah. you built that. You but let like him what, do that. It's like what Blazin was saying, though, is uh, they didn't lecture us. They were available when the questions came. But when the questions came, they had seasoned answers. They had mm -hmm. wisdom. You know, mm. it was good. What are you when you think about this, Christian, about yeah. the church and what role it played? This is really good. I I know for for me, you and mom invested so much in me, and there was. Uh, I've always been kind of a rockhead and have always had to learn the hard way. So there was a season where I'm sure uh, you you didn't see a lot of that taking root. And I went my own way and went down the wrong path and all those different things. But then when God got a hold of me, all of those things came to light, which I think is so important because one of the things that I heard feedback from from the message is, what if you're... What if we are living out these things? What if we are partnering mm. with the church? What if we are doing this and it still doesn't go well mm -hmm. and our kids are still going sideways? Like that is my oh, my good. story. And and you guys invested that and and put that into me as a kid and there was a long season where we didn't you didn't know if I was even going to come back, but when I did and when God got a hold of me, those things were there that God had used. And then from there, you, you know, as I came back and started meeting with you, very intentionally, I now that I now that I see back, now I know what you you are doing. <laughs> uh, you you sent all kinds of people into my path, uh, people like Cy, people like Gabe Cleave and Jim Booth and Thad DeBure, and I mean I could go on Miles and on. Played and a big Miles, part. major, major, major part, and all along you were strategically positioning people around me, and then there were people that were kind of tried, I didn't connect with, because not everyone connects with everyone, but there were some people from there as that grew that really started to decide. I'd like to say I was super strategic in some of those people, <laughs> but here was the cool thing. A lot of those people did it on their own initiative, on their own initiative really because good. they saw themselves as a family. So I wouldn't even know that half of those people did anything. I mean, mm. even some of the names you're saying now, I, I didn't know Jim Booth did anything with mm. you. Uh, you know, But there were people that were pouring in because they saw themselves as not just, this is my family and it's me. No, I'm a part of the community. I'm going to reach out to that troubled kid. I might be able to get to him when his parents can't. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I think, and sometimes I think you had a plan as a parent to kind of position me into a relationship. And then other times, because of the spiritual family, they saw it and jumped into it. That's why it's so important for us as parents didn't print that on the kids. And now I, I share this. I'm so thankful. You know, when I came out of my story and drugs 12 or so years ago, uh, there was about eight months where my son was eight months old when I got clean. And now he doesn't know that part of me at all. And now he just knows that there's a, a someone who loves Jesus mm -hmm. and that he gets to be in this community that people that want him to know Jesus. And I'm so thankful that's what God does and that's what we get to be about. Mm, so. That's good, Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? Do, okay. So, you know, we talked about this. I know you guys probably had people come up and want clarity. Uh, they had a question. What are some of the questions you guys got? Well, I, I had a couple. One, one was uh, uh, a fella from another state who was coming through, who uh, shared with me, and it was re it was really meaningful that he and his wife had invested in their kids, and then they'd even gone on and invested in other kids that they'd taken into their home. And uh, but then he was a little bit like what you were just saying, Christian. He was he was really kind of he was struggling because not all the investments had returned mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. <clears throat> right? And uh, 
the thing that he took away from the message, which would have been the Holy Spirit, because I'm, I'm not bright enough to put this together, but uh, was that the church is still God's family. Yeah. And if it's God's family, see, if it's God's corporation, he can sue or fire or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. If it's God's team, we can trade, we can lose the Super Bowl or whatever. But if it's his family, God's still faithful. And God's mm-hmm. going to be faithful, and and He was wrestling through that because He's got a couple situation with kids that that are not turning out well, but He was holding on to that God. God's a father; He's not a CEO, He's not a coach, He's not a, a you know committee chairman. Um, and I, I just thought that was good. The, the other question that came for me, and you guys might want to kick that around real quick. Was some people came to me and they were talking about how um, their parents are not honorable. They're not believers. They're not supportive of their Christian faith, and they were asking how do how do we how do we you know prioritize family, God's family? How, how do we do that when we have parents that are in some ways antithetical or at least uncaring about this spiritual heritage? You know, yeah. and and we talked about a couple things, and you guys may have some other ideas, but one one of them is I wanted them to understand that the commandments in the Old Testament to honor your parents does not mean you give full access to your parents regardless of whatever condition their heart right. or their right. spiritual life is in. That's, right. That's not honoring your parents. Uh, you give access as people are responsible. Much in the same way God gave access to the high priest, he carried great responsibility to get clear into the Holy of Holies. But we can still honor our parents but that doesn't mean we give them access if they're not going to support our values. It doesn't have to be a fight, but but you know access comes with responsibility. Mm, you can still honor your parents, though. That doesn't mean you yeah, kind of uh, like the idea of forgiveness doesn't mean that I trust you. Right. I gave that over to God. Right. There's boundaries. There's boundaries, and boundaries are okay. Yeah. Boundaries are not dishonorable because the uh, the well-being of your children... Sometimes that's where you want to sit down and talk with somebody, because sometimes you're so hurt, you can't see the forest for the trees. That's where wise counsel comes in, mm-hmm. to go, all right, what are the right boundaries given this situation? Because right now I'm hurt enough, or I'm angry enough, or the devil's accusing me that I didn't forgive him by letting him back into my house when he, you know, did horrible things to my children. You know, no, hold on. What is what is forgiveness? Let's walk through it. That's where wise counsel really comes in. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, um, when you think about um, that whole issue of um, how do you deal with a, a, a situation where you've done your best and the kid's not responding, right? You know, we I, I've raised them to know the Lord. I, no one's perfect. I tried my best. They've rejected God. Um, how do you how do you deal with that? What do you what do you tell yourself? How do you take captive thoughts? Because the devil's like, you're no good. You can't do anything at church. You're a it's failure. Your fault. It's your, it's your fault. fault. Mm-hmm. Or you don't take responsibility for anything. It's them. It's them. It's them. Like you know, you, you, I'm going to defend myself. And and how do you how do you deal with that? You know, for me, um, the first thing is to realize that sin doesn't change God's plan, and God's plan is still His plan. It's still truth. And even though the outcome at this particular season does not bear the fruit we would like, it's still God's plan. And so, you know, I have to keep my hands on the plow and I have to, I, I can't look back. I have to continue to go. This is the direction that God's leading me. And sometimes that is purely 
cerebral in nature and it's just clinging to truth. And sometimes there's emotion that comes along with that where I feel appeased in my anxiousness. But it's still God's plan. Mm-hmm. And my encouragement would be, you know, if you're if you really are seeking wise counsel, if you're if you're in a transparent relationship with trusting people that are willing to be honest and forthright, and you process the journey you're on, God speaks and says, you know, this is this is pretty much the clear path that you're on, then you've just got to trust God. Mm-hmm. And th- I don't want to make that a cliche, but there's a place cliche. here where faith is like... Yeah, it's not cliche. It's just what it is. I mean, it doesn't make it fun at times. We were talking about this, you know, <laughs> you go through the story in the Bible, you've got Hezekiah, who's one of the greatest kings, who had Manasseh, who was the, one of, it was the worst. And then Manasseh had a grandson who, uh, who Manasseh had a son, Amos, who was terrible. And, and then, uh, you know, Manasseh's grandson is Josiah, the best probably of all the Old Testament. There's God's part, my part, their part. I could do my part. I can't do theirs. I can't do God's. How do I do my part to the best of my ability and then trust God to do his? And then that kid has a choice to make. And how do I live continuing to, to hold on to the rock and not let them pull me off the rock because of my pain and sorrow, because uh, drowning people can't help drowning people. Yeah. Mm. And so uh, what does that even look like? And, and boy, that's a that's the most painful part of my personal journey uh, was was when, you know, my son wasn't, didn't hear me. I didn't care if we were winning the whole world. If I lost my son, mm. I didn't want to be in heaven without my son. And and then the devil just beat me to a pulp. And I'm so grateful I had people come along and go, no, Jim, let's talk about truth. You've done your part. Own the part that you didn't do right. Um, well, that, you know, that's what I appreciate about you guys. When when that when that was going on, you know, uh, you were willing to still to look at your part. And then it's like, OK, well, you know, a uh, couple opportunities have passed, but I'm going to adjust. I'm, yeah. We're gonna we're mm-hmm. gonna press into this. We're gonna improve the areas that we were weak. We're gonna strengthen you and Lori both, mm-hmm. instead of just going up. Well, hope it works out. I mean, you yeah. pressed in, but yeah. some people had to help us with that because we didn't know what to do. We, yeah, we but got you were willing. stuck. You yeah. were willing, and you did it. And it wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't easy. The thing that I think about is uh, is one of our interactions. You know, if I was to encourage parents. You know, I, one, there was one time I came to you and I said, this is this is who I am. This is what I love. Why won't you love me for who I am? Why won't you accept me and, and love me? And I'll never forget what you said. You said, son, I will always love you, but I cannot condone something that is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I love you enough to tell you that this is wrong and this is not what God has for you. And that burned in my brain. And you can use that in really any conversation to mm-hmm. go, you know, in this culture that says what's right and what's wrong and constantly changing, you know, to persevere on what God says, to do it with the people around you and to not do it alone. And then you modeled for me all the time. You'd come back to me and go, man, I, I messed up here. And even in my season and day, like to see you model that when you would make a mistake and come back, like, don't be afraid to, to, to say, hey, I messed up, and that models to those wayward kids. And then don't let the culture sway you mm-hmm. on what sin is. Sin is sin. That's right. But God yeah. loves you enough to go, I love you enough to tell you about it. And that burned in my brain. And, you know, I wasn't in a season where I could hear it, but when I could and when I did come around and when God did get a hold of me, and God sometimes 
you don't know in different stories. In this situation, God got a hold of me. And so others, it's years and years and years and years and lifetimes, who knows? But God is working and to stand on the truth and mm -hmm. around the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask this question, because every one of us in here, we'll close with this. We've been hurt in the church. Mm. There's people in the church. I'm my biggest problem. I'm in the church. I cause my own problems. Sometimes I don't cause it. What do you tell yourself when you are tempted to go, I'm done, I'm out of here, I, this, it didn't work out the way it was supposed to, somebody was corrupt or broken or mean or hurting, and hurting people hurt people, and, and what, do you, what do you do in those situations? And your kids are watching, you know. I, I was thinking yesterday I shared this. It's very easy to have spiritual amnesia <clears throat> or forget that you too came into the church limping. We still limp. But, but like I came in with some really broken things, some broken thoughts, ideology, beliefs about life in general, and I made a lot of messes. I shot my mouth off and hurt a lot of people when I was younger. And one of the things that I do is I try to come back to, okay, um, where are they, first of all, in their journey? Um, how do I apply the same grace to them that God's given me and others gave to me? when I did some really stupid things, you know? And so part of this is we have to dial our expectations and our perspective back to, um, man, the ground's level. This is not this hierarchy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At the cross, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've not climbed some ladder of achievement that now sets me apart as some as super the judge yeah. Yes, yeah not or even the model of perfection right yeah you guys know me too well <laughs> anyway <clears throat> what about you yeah i think i think back to even this message god has given us a blueprint and whether we understand that fully or not he's he's gone this is the family and am I going to stand on what God says when it's ups and downs? And my one of my favorite verses in Scripture, I think, goes to this question is, if Jesus could look down at the people and say, Father, forgive them, mm. they don't know what they're doing. And he sat there and let the, the people crucify him because of his love for them. If Christ can do that, and he's done that for each of us with a whole messy group of people that were so didn't get it in that moment that they were crucifying Christ. And later it says if they had understood, people understood what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified him. We, we all have our blind spots and brokenness, and we bring that to the table, and we're called to look past faults the way that Christ has done with us, and we're going to make messes. Yeah. And I always go, let's make messes together. Would you make <laughs> messes with me? Because I am the king of mess, and we can make messes together. And I'm going to hurt you, and you're going to hurt me, and sometimes it's going to be hard. And at the same time, it says that we're to test the spirits, that just because someone's in the church, we're to test it with the Word of God, with what people are saying and how they're leading. And there's there's stuff and anchors with that. But let's make messes together the way that God has displayed it for us and given it to us with His blueprint. Bill, what are you thinking? Well, <clears throat> I've been at this for a while. So... Uh, for me, an important principle is um, to not be shamed by people who expect you to get over your hurt real fast. Mm -hmm. Hurt takes time to process. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And just because I'm hurting doesn't mean I'll never forgive or I'm not forgiving. Just not there yet. Yeah. 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 As if I'm somehow not spiritual because I actually, you blew the side of my arm off and I'm supposed to walk, get up the next day and say, I'm ready. I'm good. You know, cause I'm yeah. a good Christian. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's Buddhist actually. And it's not healthy. So, um, when bad things happen, and and sometimes good people do bad things because mm-hmm. they have their motives mixed up or whatever. Sometimes, though, which leads to my second principle is Jesus taught in Matthew 13 that at least for this season, mm-hmm. there are going to be tares amongst the wheat. Mm-hmm. And the source of the tares are the devil. It says the devil came in at night and sowed the weeds amongst the wheat. And Jesus even said, or the, you know, the Lord of the harvest said to them, because they're like, well, shouldn't we go in there and tear all those out? And he goes, no, he goes, because you're gonna you're gonna damage a bunch of wheat. Just wait till I come, wait till the harvest, and then we'll sort those all out. So you just have to embrace that. Where we are now, there are tears amongst the wheat, and you have to set your expectations correctly for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you know, th- those are two things that I think are are really important. Um, so what you're talking about there, I think, is is expectations. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah, I said steer your expectations in the right direction. That's what I said in the sermon. And uh, yeah, because if you if you expect this to be heaven before it's heaven, when people right. are still battling or in yeah. different places, and you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And I know it's easy for people to get discouraged because you're like, but I thought the church was supposed to be a safe place. It is a safe place. It's for the majority of the church is safe. Um, for my life, it took me a long time to realize it wasn't the bride of Christ that hurt my family. It was some people in the church who were either mixed up or they were malignant, and they hurt my family. But it wasn't the bride of Christ. That was never God's intention. It, it, are you, you know, I think you and I, well, all of us have been through stuff, but it's funny how I can have a, like I had somebody hurt me not that long ago, and I went, my first reaction was, okay, I'm done. And then... Yeah. You know, I think I was actually talking to you, and you know, I'm like, I just don't know about this relationship thing. And you go, well, what about me? What am I, chopped liver? <laughs> right? It's true. I was discount. I was acting as though you weren't there, or Jim, or so many other people, and I was getting high centered on that one that really hurt me. That, and Paul had the same thing. He's talking about his disciples, and he says, you know, Demas, who was one of his right. guys, had left him because he loved the world, right? Mm-hmm. But he also mentions Luke and. And Timothy, Timothy and, and Titus, Titus and, and, and people. If you think no one's going to hurt you um, on this side of heaven, you're, you're going to be disappointed. And, but, and the thing is, I know that's scary though, because it's like, well, isn't this what you know? You, oh, so now you're asking me to do something even more. Well, yeah, but trust me, the bride of Christ will take care of you, even when we've been hurt. The bride of Christ. But it's like I was talking Sunday. If I was driving down the road and every time I hit a pothole. I just said, well, I'm not driving anymore. I would never get anywhere. Right. You know, if I just burned my car up and ran out in the field and said, ah, I give up. Got out of the car and said, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done with this. You know, I'd never get anywhere. And that's, you know, there are tares amongst the wheat. Don't be shamed into artificial healing. But you did say something that was really good. You said, don't be a tear. Yeah, don't be a tear. Don't be a weed. Yeah. Stop being a weed. Be being a weed. (laughs) Be weed. And if you're a weed, knock it off. Knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, guys, I really appreciate all of you being here, and I'm looking forward to this next next week and uh, this series. And uh, again, our church is like, we're going to make disciples, and making disciple means that we're going to abide in Christ, 
And that's our identity. That gives us our mission, our purpose. We're going to be in the body of Christ, the family of God. We're going to be in the home according to God's design. The work environment is not going to be the most important thing in our life. We work hard, but it doesn't it doesn't control our life. And then the spiritual realm where the enemy's trying to attack, it's just right there, both in Deuteronomy and Ephesians. And so I'm excited that we'll continue in this. Look forward to next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yes. Thank you, Joe.